I look at my brother and everything seems so easy for him. And I just feel confused. Do you think you'd be happier as a boy? I don't, I don't know. I've talked to hundreds, if not thousands of parents. Our stories are all the same. It follows a pattern. Something's going on at the school. Our public schools have changed. Five years ago, gender fluid was not something that we even knew about. When I told the therapist, I think I might be transgender, but I don't really know and I need your help. He affirmed me immediately. Immediately she affirmed me as a transgender woman. If I were to explore with a person about why they believe they're in the wrong body, my license would now be under threat. Most importantly, your child is clearly showing signs of being suicidal. Would you rather want a dead daughter? Or a live son, but this wasn't true. These kids are getting put on puberty blockers like after the first visit, or they're just getting pushed through this pipeline of surgery. It's a political agenda being worked out, and kids are sort of a test subject And then I felt down, I felt tired, I felt exhausted. I felt, my mom said I looked like a pale ghost. I started to become dysfunctional in just about every area of my life. Come to find out I had two weeks to live. My daughter was in pain. She used to cry, she couldn't sleep, she couldn't concentrate after, you know, taking these hormones. This is all coming from the top of society. It's coming with great big gobs of millions and millions and millions of dollars being funneled into all our institutions to drive them down into the culture. The major corporations, major banks, international law firms, all our big technology companies, governments, politicians, the highest echelons of Western societies. Why are they all doing this simultaneously? My name is Abigail Martinez. I live in California. She grew up as a happy little girl, the girly girl in the family. She was the most beautiful and happy little girl. Second verse flows perfectly now. <laughs> Thanks. Getting better and better. Right? Yeah. My name is Kali Fatania, and I am a former public school teacher of 15 years. 
Our public schools have changed. Five years ago, there was no students that were identifying as non-binary. Gender fluid was not something that we even knew about. We're also having an epidemic of girls transitioning more than boys. A lot of the children and high, teenagers and high schoolers that are questioning their gender and having gender identity crisis are being driven by the teachers. How many parents have the know-how? I've talked to hundreds, if not thousands of parents. Our stories are all the same. It follows a pattern. And that was the first entrance point for me to figure out something's going on at the school. Oh my god, look at this filter. Makes it look like they're Kardashians. We look so good. Yeah, I'm so gonna post this. Ugh, I wish I had a phone. Mom would never allow it. Yeah, she's so weird for that. I mean, she thinks I'd get distracted. <laughs> like me? Yeah, like you. <laughs> okay, thanks. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back from the holidays. I hope you enjoyed it and are excited about this new semester. So today we're going to talk a bit about genders. You know, the term gender identity, it was coined by psychiatrist professor Robert J. Stoller in 1964. And then it was popularized by psychologist John He was one of the first researchers to publish theories about how societal constructs of gender influence the individual formation of gender identity. And this is where gender-affirming care comes from. In fact, the only study intended to prove this theory of gender identity being separate from biology failed miserably, and that was the study that John Money did with the famous uh, twins, the Reamer twins. One of them had a accident. His penis was burnt off. His parents were at a loss of how to raise him, what to do with him. And they turned to the gender expert at the time, John Money, and John Money told them, not a problem, raise him as a girl. He's only 18 months old. He's gonna need some operations. He's gonna need some hormones, but he will be comfortable as a woman. But Money did not report that his experiment that spanned 10 years was an abysmal failure. He reported that it was a success. Money's theory was widely accepted within psychology and psychiatry and sociology and gender studies was based on his fraudulent research. He was also the first to establish a clinic where he could perform gender reassignment surgeries for people who suffer from gender dysphoria. Does anyone know what that is? Yes, Sarah. Uh, it means if you're like born as a boy, but you're actually a girl in a boy's body, right? Yes, that's correct, Sarah. Very good. And it can also be the other way around, of course. I always knew I was really a girl, you know why? I'm just so... Uh, you Billy, know, I just went to the salon. Billy, huh? do you think you're funny? Who's Billy? What do you mean, who's Billy? <laughs> I'm Becky now. This is so <laughs> real. Why are you even joking about this? Yeah, don't be so disrespectful. We're trying to learn here. Okay, Karen. Hey, hey. You know, what is funny to you might be really serious to someone else. If any of you feel unsure about your gender identity, you should know that 
it is normal. And we are here to support you. At the age of, you know, 13, I believe is when she was struggling with depression. Hey, how was school, honey? Fine. I made your favorite dish. I'm not hungry. But the depression was pretty bad. What she needed was uh, mental health to find out why she was struggling. The teen years are a time to explore, right? Experiment, try new things. Figure out what you like. You won't be able to get out there and show the world who you really are and experience all the beautiful wonders of the world. I guess. When did you start feeling this way? I look at my brother and everything seems so easy for him. And I just feel confused. Do you think you'd be happier as a boy? I don't, I don't know. Maybe. You should join this club. I think they can really help you for this. Probably in about junior high, their bodies are changing and they are so confused by what they are. You know, the most dangerous thing about this culturally responsive curriculum is it trains a child's mind to think a certain way. Once kids' brains have been trained in that way, I mean, unless they go through some serious therapy, you probably will not undo that type of thinking. Some mom told me that in her daughter's class, there was only two students in the class that identified as a heterosexual out of probably a class of 35. My daughter adopted her gender identity. She came out as trans. Her mental health just dropped with it. Uh, she got very despondent and depressed and non-functioning. My name is Chloe Cole. I medically transitioned as a minor between the ages of 13 and 16. The reason why I wanted to be a boy was never really explored throughout the duration of my entire transition, actually. A lot of my teachers and some school staff would tell my parents, like, hey, your kid has um, some autistic symptoms and I think you should get her checked out. But when they did, the, my pediatrician would just tell them, would just completely dismiss this concern. My name is Abel Garcia. I currently live in Dallas, Texas. I am a male-to-female detransitioner. As a child, I was very shy, very introverted. I was an overthinker. I did find out what the word transgender was through YouTube, doubting myself as a man or a boy at the time. 
that made some sense at the time and said, well, I must be a woman. And I decided to go see a therapist, see when, what was going on, if I was truly a woman in a man's body or, or if my mind was just playing tricks on me. I told the therapist, I think I might be transgender, but I don't really know and I need your help. Immediately she affirmed me as a transgender woman. And when I asked her why so quickly, she said she did not want to gatekeep me. And she had my letter to transition right away with hormones on my first session with her. The therapists are now instantly affirming these genders, these opposite genders, as opposed to exploring what's going on. The training thing, I think, is a great excuse to avoid issues that are really painful. And if a therapist is affirming therapy, the one person who's supposed to help you actually face things that are painful, then that's going to send them more into this trans path, because that's what feels good in the short term. I believe the psychology send her to this uh, group, LGBT, that they have a club, that they have a school. I didn't know about this at all. I didn't have any idea. So when I was working in Palo Alto as the site director of the counseling program there, I was actually in charge of a private secret LGBT group where we didn't tell the parents that we were running this group for kids to come and figure out their identities. I was so naive, I didn't see the harm of it at the time. I thought I was helping kids understand who they are without the interference of their families. We put the flyers around the school. It didn't disclose a time or a place. We told them to come to our office and we do a little screening, a little interview, and then we'd secretly tell them when and where the group was. And then we'd tell them that they didn't have to tell their parents that we wouldn't tell their parents. In fact, we didn't even tell the teachers or the administration of the school. They didn't even know. That's how secret it was. Hi, welcome. What's your name? Oh, Evelyn. Hi. Welcome, Evelyn. Yeah, welcome. And everyone else? Yeah. Uh, know that this is a safe space. You will not be judged here for anything. So, does anyone know what a gender bread shard is? No one? Well, it's like how you identify. And if you were born a girl, it does not necessarily mean that you identify as a girl. Yeah, true. It has to do with what gender you're born with and what you're attracted to. Sometimes there's no gender at all. Let's share a bit. I am Kaden. I'm trans. Uh, I was born Cleo, but like growing up, I always felt like something was missing. Was pretty depressed. Um, I'm so grateful. I'm so happy today that I found this, and you know, I was able to transition into like myself, I guess. Anyone else? So this was a group where they basically gathered vulnerable children and taught them that it was us against them because their family wouldn't understand them. They were now victims because they were in this now elected group, the LGBTQ group. 
Dude. Dude. What? You look so hot as a guy. He looks like an Evan. He looks like such Evan an Evan. Evan and Kaden. Isn't this amazing how science can like actually turn you into the person you were born to be? In hours, I can remove a body part that someone has lived their entire life being too ashamed to look at and replace it with a new body part that finally makes them feel whole. I mean, why change a perfectly working body though? Why does it matter what generally people look or not? I mean, as long as you can like pee. <laughs> to be yourself, Leah. Well, I think you are yourself already. I was about 11 when I got my first phone and almost immediately I was like shown a lot of like very sexualized or like idealized content of young women. Being exposed to that and like not fitting in with uh, other girls at school, it just felt like I couldn't really match up to other girls my age. I started to get exposed to like a lot of LGBTQ content alongside that. Um, sort of grew to have a complex over being a girl growing up. Transgender, it sounds so harmless. And it's made very, very cool through the media, through TikTok, through Reddit, through Tumblr, through Instagram, through Facebook, through Twitter, through their games, in their movies. Um, and these corporations are involved in supporting this. We have to ask the right questions in order to get to what's really happening here. Why are they promoting this all across the Western world? For a fraction of the population, like not even 1% of the population, that has intense body dysphoria about their genitalia. I mean, certainly other people have body dysphoria. We don't realize the impact that social media is having on our kids and what it's developing in their character. When you're growing up as a teenager and you're going through puberty and you start not liking your body, um, TikTok has really became a phenomenon for people that are questioning their gender to go viral. It happens all the time now. And they're seeing these images all the time and the amount of attention that they're getting. And they're also getting these ideas planted into their minds. And they're finding their identities as young people. There's no such thing as a boy, girl. Biological sex is fake. There's been studies by Lisa Littman and also the National Academy of France who are very concerned about social media influence. Kids watching you know, YouTube and seeing someone who's taken testosterone or had a mastectomy. And if you have this mental condition and you see someone, wow, you know, I'm euphoric after I had my breast removed, that sounds like the answer. The top surgery is for anybody. There's no template for what you must look like after top surgery. When you have that out there and you have compliant clinics across the country to treat these kids, then you have a pipeline. So has anyone else met any resistance when you started your transition journeys? 
Um, yeah, um, Mr. Robinson, it's been discouraging to both me and Joshua, seeing it, that like this is just a face. Now, this is a case of conversion therapy. What he's doing is actually legal. And like he's refused to call us by our pronouns or ask other students about their pronouns. This is not the first complaint regarding Mr. Robinson. I'll bring it up at the school board. I'll remember this, to ask for someone's pronouns is the most basic way to show respect. It's our fundamental human rights. Yes. Yeah. Right. If I were to explore with a person about why they believe they're in the wrong body, that would be considered conversion therapy. My license would now be under threat. And that's also one of the reasons why this is really scary. These lawmakers are stopping people like me to be able to do my job properly. One of the teachers unions said, if you're a teacher and you don't affirm a child's gender identity, if you're not going to go along with the pronouns and make sure that child feels accepted for their chosen gender or maybe they're changing gender throughout the year because these kids do sometimes flip-flop on what they're wanting to be. You are damaging the child. I'm Kat. I'm a musician and molecular biologist. For about four to five months, I was taking testosterone to attempt to transition from female to male. I think having both college professors and my peers validate my belief that I could be a man in a female body. I think it did push me over the edge to transition. Well, now if I do this, it's normalized, it's accepted. Covalent bonds, which atoms share one or more electrons, and ionic bonds, in which an atom donates. This is so boring. Can I borrow your phone? No, Evie, we have a test on this next week. Chill and stop calling me Evie. I go by Evan now. Oh, so it's Eva now. So what are your preferred pronouns? He, him. So everybody, let's start call Evan by his new pronouns. Yes, Billy. My preferred pronouns are actually ha and sex. <laughs> if you don't agree, you're canceled. Billy, for real. Anyone who does not accept your identity, is unsupportive. It places a wedge between the child and their parents. From my experience, the parents in these situations are almost always loving and devoted parents who will do anything for their child, but they won't deny the truth. I'm worried about Evie. She seems so sad lately. So I figured I'd try to give her something nice for her birthday. She's a teen mom. It's part of life. But you're not moody like that, right? Oh, so she's getting confused going to that club, you know. What? What club? Now this club for Evie. Hello? Evan, oh, I, I think 
Talking about another student. Oh, sorry, I, I said Evelyn, didn't I? No, you said Evan. I discovered through her um, iPad that the teachers at that school changed her name to a male name. They didn't so much as clue me in to this. I did not know what I was walking into when I called the school, but I read them the riot act. How dare you change my daughter's name? I asked as administrators, tell me something about my daughter because you've never met her, but you're concretizing some kind of new identity. And their response was, well, we need to be a safe space for her. So I said, well, by extension, I'm unsafe, right? Because I call her by her female name. So does her father, so does her brother, and all the adults in her life call her by her female name. Are we all unsafe? I learned that apparently I was unsafe because Child Protective Services did show up at my house along with the police. Still some food if you want. You really should eat something. I'm not hungry. That's new. I like his style. It's not a guy. They're non-binary. Okay. Well, it sure looks like a guy to me. Why are you so obsessed with labeling people? What are you talking about? I don't understand. You should really educate yourself. When you call someone a he and they're not, you could really hurt someone. I'm not following. <laughs> Please. You are so not woke. Evie, sweetie, please. No. Just listen, please be careful with what you let yourself be influenced by, okay? This isn't about that. This is about you mislabeling people. Honey. And you do it too much. Hold on, wait, wait who, who no. are you getting this from? No, Evie. I need you to leave now. Evie! No! Evie! No! Jail is depression start in middle school. You know, I went and seek for help at school to keep an eye on my daughter, not to make her, you know, believe that transition is what's gonna make her happy. You know, I, I, I think this is a phase mm. she's going through. No, I don't see it that way. You can see that Evan clearly refers to himself as a boy. Right, Evan? Right. Yeah. Just not happy in my current body. Evan, Evelyn suffered from depression, okay? I think that's what's causing all this confusion with her gender identity, you know? Do you realize how much harm you're doing to Evan? Disrespecting his wishes, refusing to affirm who he is? Disrespecting? Wouldn't it be better to try to resolve the underlying cause of the depression? I mean, she's a child. He. She has her whole life in front of he. her. He. Most importantly, your child is clearly showing signs of being suicidal. Would you rather want a dead daughter or a living son? Would you rather have a dead daughter or a live son? 
That question is asked over and over again in therapy sessions by therapists, and therapists are trained to say that. They told my parents, like, there's a very low rate of regret in adolescents who transition, and um, if I wasn't allowed to transition, if they didn't affirm me and I, my identity, um, that I would be at risk of suicide. They gave them the false premise of, would you rather have a dead daughter or a live son? But this wasn't true. Before I transitioned, I never had any suicidal ideation until I started taking testosterone. And that was when I was about two years on it, and it got worse the further I progressed in my transition. Another dangerous thing I learned was that if you had gender dysphoria, your best option was transitioning. And basically you couldn't be happy and you could even commit suicide if you didn't transition. So that definitely started to impact the way I thought about myself. And it made me feel, looking back, it made me feel even more hopeless because I thought there was no way to accept myself. I had to get these painful surgeries and take hormones, etc. So we went to a therapist and, and that therapist right off the bat told us that my daughter had a 41% chance of committing suicide. And when I queried her about that study, she couldn't answer one question I had about the study because she hadn't read it. I might be autistic, I don't know. I probably played a part in why I was the way I was. I can't really remember the first visit with the gender specialist. All I remember is that I was evaluated for gender dysphoria. There wasn't really like exploration of like any underlying issues in my life that might have influenced or caused that. I had a lot of underlying issues before transitioning. When I was younger, I was diagnosed with ADHD, but I believe I, that I actually have uh, autism and I didn't really get consultation for that until after I stopped transitioning when I was when I was 17. I asked my parents to take me to a gender therapist. He affirmed me immediately. He just sort of overlooked my eating disorder and my other mental health issues that I had. I'm Walt Heyer. I operate a website called sexchangeregret.com and we've helped over a thousand people and we continue to do that every day. I mean, I'm 82 years old. I'm still talking about the harm that was done to me 78 years ago. Well, it all started when I was a four-year-old boy uh, and my grandmother started cross-dressing me. When my dad found out about me being cross-dressed, he was horrified. Later on, his adopted brother began to sexually molest me I got married, had children, and then I went to, a, you know, a gender specialist. When he met with me and said, you need hormones and you need surgery to resolve this conflict that you have about your gender. Well, the truth was, it was never about gender. I learned this after I was 50 years old. 
After living the life of Laura Jensen, female transgender, it was always about what happened with a purple dress and being sexually abused. And no one was addressing the adverse childhood experience that caused that trauma. I actually had some sexual trauma that was unaddressed. I was sexually assaulted in middle school. For a long time, I didn't realize how much this affected me and my body image and how I felt about my chest. I was abused by a little boy. He was like physically and sexually abusive. So I felt defenseless. And I think this idea that I'd rather be a boy because I felt like I could better protect myself if I was a male. Many young people who've been subjected to sexual abuse actually want to remove their genitalia because they never want to be sexually abused again. It's not gender dysphoria. You know, it's body dysmorphia or it's sexual abuse or it's schizophrenia or it's a bipolar disorder. The fact of the matter is there's many other people who go to therapy and find out that they can treat these disorders and they don't have to live this way. I had to go out of state, find a psychiatrist who was willing to look at the causality of my daughter's new gender identity. We keep these doctors secret because if they get found out, they might lose their license. Uh, can you please come have a seat? Please. I've heard your mother, she has concerns, right? But how are you feeling now? I, I, I just want to be happy. So do you, do you think you'll be happy as a boy? I don't know. It might be underlying issues connected to trauma. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Mm. Has uh, Evelyn had any diagnosis before? Yeah. Mm. This is conversion therapy. Honey, you, you just said you're not sure if you be happy as a boy. You can understand my concern here, right? Mr. Well, I'm not happy as a girl. Okay, well, let's talk to Mr. Scott and let's, let's try to figure it out, all right? Mom, why are you controlling me like this? Evelyn, I think it's no. a... Evelyn! Gender-affirming care, furthermore, would say that if in a few years this child begins to feel very nervous about puberty, then the next step should be to block puberty. The Dutch really pioneered this and had 12 years old, I believe, as the earliest age. But with the Endocrine Society, WPATH, they've lowered this to eight or nine years old. Keep on breathing, you keep on breathing. Hi. 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 Oh, this is Kaden. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Victoria. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Victoria. Hi. What are you talking about? Um, I'm starting my transitioning hormones tomorrow, which is like really exciting. So cool. I know. But are you sure that's safe though? I mean, I've heard a lot about it. Yeah, yeah. I've talked to my doctor. He said it's just like a pause button. If I want to change later on, which I know I won't. 
But isn't that I like can. the same drugs they give to pedos to like chemically castrate them or something? Yeah, I heard that too, actually. That's extremely transphobic and super hurtful. Why would you say that? That's the very attitude that we are trying to fight. It's, are you like, guys, are you transphobes or what? No, we're not. Sounds like it. We're, I mean, we're just curious. But um, good luck with that. Thanks. Just like my mom. Well, you know Joshua from Club? Mm -hmm. He says our closest family are often our worst enemies. Yeah? Yeah, I think it's true. First of all, puberty blockers, it's a lie that it's reversible. The puberty blockers really put a hold on development. And this includes your psychological development. It includes cognitive development, your reasoning. Our frontal lobes that are responsible for executive decision-making and judgment, they're not fully formed until you're in your early 20s. From cases that I've reviewed, I've seen where the person had some depression or anxiety, which over time over years seems to worsen uh, with the blocker. Psychiatric condition or autism or neuro other neurodevelopmental disorders uh, would be compounded by adding puberty blockers. There's labeling with warnings about if the person has psychiatric disease that they may be more prone to suicide. You're also going to have problems with fertility or you've stopped normal sperm production in males or ovulation in females. A person may have been blocked for puberty for two years while the rest of their peers are developing along a certain pathway. They've missed out on events and connections that they cannot reform. I started on the blockers about 13. I had about three or four injections of these blockers about every three to four months. I was basically going through um, an artificial menopause. It was horrible, actually. They got to the point that I couldn't wear like jackets or long pants in in the colder seasons. I couldn't bear it. It was it would make my whole body itchy, and it really sucked. And it made it difficult to focus in school. She had this friend who everybody thought, uh, oh, they click and they were best friends. But what uh, this friend was friend was doing, in quote, uh, is uh, trying to convince Jaylee that uh, to go into transition. <laughs> I think it looks amazing <laughs> on you. I've always had really long hair, so I don't. Yeah, well, you gotta change that now. <laughs> You're a new person. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Check out Evan in all black, monochrome. <laughs> I'm about it. I'm so excited for you guys. No one should have to go through the pain of puberty in the wrong gender. It's yeah. just not, it's just not okay. Yeah, we can't wait, right? Because if we do, we're gonna have to pay for it ourselves. Yep. My mom would never allow it. Which is not okay. That's abuse. No one can force you to live there. And you're welcome to stay here. <laughs> we love you. You guys hungry? Yeah. yeah. Pizza! <laughs> Young people, they always want to go for 
accepted joining these communities that are very accepting of them and then it also puts an us versus them mentality it's separating kids from their parents it's telling you know especially if a parent isn't affirming their gender well now they have an enemy in their parent but then they can go to their teachers and they can go to their classmates and their peers to find their community and and get really um, extreme in their gender ideology gender identities evelyn Hey, sweetie, please come sit down for a minute. Hi. I just want to talk to you real quick. Can you please just come sit down? Why do you feel like there's something wrong with you? I was born into the wrong body, Mom. Your body's absolutely perfect. I know you don't see yourself, but I do. No. I'm a boy. Look, I know you've been going through a hard time, all right? I understand it's confusing, but a boy, I'm- I'm not confused. I know who I am, and I want to be who I am, and I want you to love me for that. Honey, I love you. God You gave... love the girl that you gave birth to. God gave you this, this amazing <laughs> body, and, and you want to change it. I'm your son. Sweetie, you're confused. Just, it's, it's crazy. No. No. Evelyn. No. Get back here. took off the license plate from their car. So there is no way that I was gonna figure out who and tell the police this is the car who picked up my daughter. That was the last time that I spent with my daughter. I was, you know, putting flyers, trying to search, sending uh, messages, uh, the police was involved, so we were looking for her. I went and posted uh, pictures, her information. So we were looking. I went everywhere with the help of my friends to, to the stores, anywhere. So toxic to not have your own family support you. It's truly horrible. You okay? Yeah. If, if you're confused. Everyone is not like your mom. You know, you have a new family now. We do anything for you. A parent from the high school asked if they could send a message to all the parents with a picture of my daughter. I say, yes, please do it. I call, I search, couldn't find anything. So I reach out to friends that this other girl 
had in common with my daughter, and, and so I asked them, you know, if Yale is uh, with Kate. They never called me back. So that made me think that they knew something, but they didn't want to talk. flyers all day. Well, the court has decided whether Wait, he's going to... Wait, what do you mean the court has to decide? I thought she was with the police. Evan will stay at a group home until well, we know... where is she? We'll have to keep Evan until... You can't keep my daughter. She's... Sorry, ma'am. That's all we have to say. No. No. No, 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 no. No. When that happened, the police told me that you're going to see your daughter in court, that she was accusing me of being uh, abusive towards her. The school psychology is the one who uh, recommend DCFS, the Department of Children, to remove Jay uh, from our home. So. I'm really, really confused. She's she's not gonna live here anymore? The state has decided that Evan should stay at a group home for now, for his safety. So she was sent to this group home. His family kept contact with her, coaching her what to say, what to do. I was allowed to see my daughter once a week, one hour and we couldn't be alone. I couldn't ask her to come back home. I couldn't talk about God with her or pray. You need to stop trying to convert him or you'll lose your weekly hour completely. So I can't ask her to come back home. I can't talk about memories from when she was a girl. I can't pray with her. What am I allowed to do? Ma'am. You need to lower your voice. You need to stop being so aggressive, okay? The school psychologist recommends that he should have no contact with you whatsoever. I need to get going. But you can't just go. I, I don't know what to, how do I get my daughter back home? Don't... If you wish to, you can file a report. I'm just following state orders, ma'am. Parents are fearful of losing custody of their children because they say the wrong thing. We're pushed into silence. So in Indiana, for example, recently there was a family torn apart because the Child Protective Services removed a teen boy from his parents because they refused to acknowledge that he wanted to become a girl. So I was trying my best to please this uh, system so they can leave my daughter alone with us. She asked me to buy just boy clothes. 
and I did. I tried even call her her first name that she chose and to check, you know, that's gonna make her comfortable because she didn't belong to that group home. She have a family who loved her and miss her. And our home was not the same without Jaylee. And that's why I fight. Evie, what are you doing? Why are you not coming home? Mom is so worried about you. And she's being accused of child abuse. Yeah, well, it is abusive to not accept who someone is. We miss you so much, Evie. I want you to come home. Miss you too. Yeah. Come leave him alone. He's going through enough to have to deal with you. He needs support right now. Yeah, but you need to stop manipulating my sister. What are you doing? Are you are you okay? What what is this? Evie, I didn't mean. Mr. Peters, I just, I just received a letter in my, yes. No, I never abused her. I've told the child services, I've told the police, and I'm telling you, and all of a sudden I get a letter in the mail saying I lost custody, so now what am I supposed to do? No, 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 this cannot be happening. No one's listening to me, it's like I'm talking to the freaking wall. And they send you to take classes? I went to all the classes that they require. So I did everything in my power to go and say, okay, here I am, you're asking me to do this, you, uh, I'm doing it. But no matter what I did, I always was accused that uh, I was forcing my daughter. And I learned going to court every time I was there. They came to me and asked me, you know, it's time. If you don't sign this paper for her to get the treatment, she's going to take her life away and it's going to be on you. LGBT was there uh, coaching her, um, telling her that this was the right age to do it because the state of California will pay for all the transition surgeries, uh, medication, the hormones, everything. The judge was the one who signed the form, the permission to allow her to start the treatment. I cried that day. I asked my attorney to back to her, to the judge, and ask her to allow my daughter to have a psych evaluation before going to this treatment. No, she denied. And she said, there is no need for it. The state was taking control of everything.
So one would think if you gave a puberty blocker for say six months, then a person would be sort of frozen as far as development. And then once you stop the puberty blocker, the development would continue. The problem is there are underlying processes which you don't see which are also involved with puberty. For example, bones are also developing under the influence of testosterone and estrogen so that the bones where they are supposed to have a very rapid increase in density and strength will, will be stopped. They will be flatlined during that time. They've shown that majority of the kids who start with puberty blockers will continue on to what they call cross-sex hormones or opposite-sex hormones that are even more difficult to reverse. So before surgery, um, I was very excited. I thought that's what I wanted. Then being uh, love-bombed, affirmed by the community, and then euphoria. Like the first time I injected, afterwards I actually felt like really proud of myself. Of course, I'm getting affirmed by my community online and friends in real life who are trans are like, yeah, great job. The first couple months I was pretty excited about what I was doing and the changes I was seeing. I did feel like my body was thinning out. I could see it in the mirror. I was happy that it was happening. I thought I was on the right track. So I was, yay, this is me, it's working. You know, I can see the developments in my hips and my breasts and I thought I had really good legs. I thought I had a really good body. So I was getting these features medications that it was affirming okay yes my body is now matching with my mentality you know this is what I thought because I was like maybe this is me maybe all these people affirming this maybe this is me so let's just do it I was seeing other trans identified teenage girls and I saw how much support they would get just for being what they called their true selves and I saw that they're their family and friends were really supportive of them. And I mean, throughout my transition, I was getting probably the most support I ever had in my life up until that point. Evan just started his uh, hormone treatment. So uh, let's give him all our love. Yes. Okay, guys. Well done. A month after she started, you know, the treatment, my daughter was in pain. She used to cry. She couldn't sleep. She couldn't concentrate after, you know, taking these hormones. And this chemical was trying to force her little bones to change, you know, her body. Once the first blocker shot really started to set in and 
like all the natural sex hormones in my body were cleared out, I started to feel kind of depressed actually. I started experiencing some suicidal thoughts. I started to become dysfunctional in just about every area of my life. The worst part, honestly, is the fact that I was allowed to do all this and that nobody was willing to stop me and have a second opinion. Instead, I was affirmed. I was love-bombed. I was allowed to destroy my body. They put a, a small amount of estrogen with a large amount of blocking of testosterone to block my testosterone from being developed. And then I felt down, I felt tired, I felt exhausted, I felt, my mom said I looked like a pale ghost, like I wasn't getting enough oxygen, my fingers were looking purple, my toes were turning purple, I was, blood circulation in my legs were lacking. During that time, about two years in, I actually ended up developing a polyp in my, um, uh, my colon. I asked them what was the cause of it, and they said, well, you have a high estrogen level in your system, and you're a man, technically. My cardiologist stepped in. I was getting blood clot blockage. He said, okay, we're gonna have to do a surgery. Come to find out, I had two weeks to live. I started to seek uh, surgery. I wanted a breast scan. Um, and so my gender specialist had me referred to a surgeon. A surgeon who operates on minors. And um, there wasn't really any questioning at all. It was just like, oh, you want this? Let's go ahead and uh, let's look for that. I've seen some videos on YouTube, and um, the, the tissue, the, the, the scar tissue was quite visible. Yeah. I, I do a lot of these surgeries, actually, so, so I, I quite know how to handle them. Yes, I assure you. Will he be in pain when he wakes no, up? No, no pain uh, whatsoever. Um, and, you know, he'll be back to normal very, very soon and uh, more satisfied than ever. So, so are there any risks? No, no risks. And uh, we, we got everything covered, I assure you, Mrs. Connor. So right now I need you to leave. ER so we can get on with the operation. Yeah, this way, please. These kids are getting put on puberty blockers like after the first visit, or they're just going straight to hormones, or they're just getting pushed through this pipeline of surgery. I told myself I wanted to wait five years for breast implants, ten years for the bottom surgery. The reason why I'm bringing that up is because not even a year into hormones. One medical professional had signed me off for surgery for both breast implants and bottom surgery when I had only asked for breast implants. So when I went to go into the Planned Parenthood building to do my surgery, it wasn't to do the surgery, it was just to talk about it. It was literally as if I could pick 25 different sets of breasts that I could pick from. I could just build myself, pick and choose what I wanted. Out of the team of five that were in there, one of them stayed behind and told me the actual harmful effects and the results of failure rates of the bottom surgery and the top surgery of being 68 to 72 percent failure rate, and you're not going to have any feeling down there. It's going to be gone. There's no place to replace it. There's, it isn't reversible. Before I was medically transitioning, I was a perfectly healthy girl. Why is it that my skin grafts are failing? Two years after my surgery, if the science is there. So we'll start by removing the 
Press tissue, and afterwards we'll, uh, we'll replace the samples. Let's get going. Doctor gushed about how much the procedures bring in. It's a lot of money. These surgeries make a lot of money. Uh, so female to male chest reconstruction can bring in forty thousand uh, dollars. Patient just on routine hormone treatment, who I'm only seeing a few times a year, can bring in several thousand dollars. You know Vanderbilt University, their medical school. And they're not the only ones that are that are doing this. There's definitely a money trail towards having these transgender patients as lifelong medical patients. What we're seeing with the, the medical companies, the medical device, and the pharmaceutical companies, when they can fund the activists and the NGOs to stir up a lot of passion. Hey, we need this. We're suffering. We have gender dysphoria. We're going to commit suicide if, if we don't transition. There's a demand then for it. And then the, the companies, the medical schools, the, the hospitals that say, oh, well, look, all this demand, we have to have some emergency use authorization. We have to start doing research. We have to start doing this because it is a mental health crisis among our youth. I've been a women's rights campaigner since I've been in my 20s. I've been working in the environmental movement for years. 2013 or so, I noticed in the activist communities that I was in that anybody acknowledging biological reality was being censored. And this was happening more and more. The woman who is likely the world's best-known children's author is defending herself against growing accusations of transphobia. <laughs> They protested his classes, called him a Nazi, and labeled him transphobic. Transphobic piece of shit! Transphobic piece of shit! Dave Chappelle speaks out, and he's not backing down. Even though the media frames this, that it's me versus that community, this has nothing to do with them. It's about corporate interests and what I can say and what I cannot say. This was very, very concerning. And so I started to look at why was this added to the LG the T. Where did it come from? And if you're going to look for anything in this country, you're going to follow the money because it will always tell you the truth. Who's funding these LGB organizations? And so what I found was a whole lot of very, very powerful um, moneyed people in the highest echelons of finance, pharma, and technology. One of the first people I found was Jennifer Pritzker, part of the wealthiest families in America, the Pritzker family, who were massively invested in the techno-medical complex. 
the most probably important LGBT organization was Arcus Foundation. They were driving this gender identity ideology through all of our institutions with their money. And they created this whole political apparatus through these organizations by um, selling people basically on this being a human right as part of the LGB. They actually only became LGBT from like 2004 to 2006, and they all shifted, they all started to add the T. When you look at the powerful people behind this, the major corporations, major banks, international law firms, all our big technology companies, governments, politicians, at the highest echelons of Western societies, why are they all doing this? To parents of transgender children, Affirming your child's identity is one of the most powerful things you can do to keep them safe and healthy. Like this is the most important question, really. Why are they all doing this simultaneously for a fraction of the population, like not even 1% of the population? It doesn't make rational sense. biggest influence on why this is being infiltrated into my field and in the medical profession is money. And this is coming from top down. And then the propaganda and the messaging fools people to believe that what they're doing is kind and nice and helpful. Human rights movements come from the ground up. They come up against corporate entities and governmental policies. They come from the people. This is all coming from the top of society. It's coming with great big gobs of money, millions and millions and millions of dollars being just funneled into all our institutions um, to drive this down into the culture. The princess who came to your ball tonight was me. I don't want to do things just because that's the way they've always been done either. We need to understand this isn't about helping people. This is about making money. There's a surgeon in California that makes around a million and a half dollars a year doing the surgeries. The presidents of these clinics have come out and said, we need to do this because it's so profitable. They never talk about how much harm is being caused and that it's causing 19 times more likely for you to commit suicide. She used to cry. She couldn't sleep. She couldn't concentrate after, you know, taking these hormones. She used to tell mom, I can't handle this pain. It hurt all my bones hurt. So, but in my head, I say, why they are doing this? And they know that She's in pain. Why continue doing this to her? It's a political agenda being worked out, and kids are sort of a test subject because you may have very large organizations, but there's a small group of people who are controlling these organizations, and they tend to be political. They 100% push affirmative care. And this was all done deliberately. They knew once they got it into the, the medical journals that all of the other uh, organizations out there would follow, and that's exactly what they've done. Doctors won't speak out. Very few of us will speak out. 
you have uh, very few psychologists or psychiatrists who are willing to speak out. There are some, but if you belong to a very large medical organization, they will threaten your job. Massive organizations around the country are suppressing what doctors might otherwise uh, want to say. So you have online hormone companies getting rounds of funding, $25 million. There's money to be made. It's a $1.5 billion industry for surgery alone. And I think that's an underestimate. It was a while until I started questioning it, actually. It wasn't until my mastectomy that I started to realize that this really isn't the path that I should be on. As a teen, you tend to think you're invincible and that nothing bad will happen to you. The blockers, the testosterone, and eventually the surgery all ended up making me sick. It took away opportunities from me as an adult while I was still a child and I'll never be the same. It's destroyed my health. I don't know if I'll ever be able to conceive a child. Put me on a path that has completely changed the trajectory of my life. My chest is completely numb. Like, I can't feel most of it just because I've, I've had three surgeries for on my chest to add the implants, to remove the implants, and then to reconstruct my chest because the removal of the implants had left so much excess skin that it looked like I had gynecomastia. Left half of my body shakes on its own uncontrollably. I don't know what caused that, if it was the hormones, if it was the surgery. Besides that, other side effects, health issues. Uh, my genitals are, have atrophied, so I have really tiny genitals. Uh, due to that, it's really hard to use the restroom. do this without you. Please call me back. She told me, Mom, I realized that no matter what I do, 
I'm never going to be like my brother. I'm in pain. Um, I can't sleep. I can't concentrate. I, it's not working the way that I thought. But to detransition, there was nothing available. I had to walk in complete darkness alone with one therapist who was willing to help me, but at the same time scared of losing his license. It's kind of assumed when these hormones are prescribed to trans people that they're gonna stay on it for the rest of their life. None of the doctors I'd ever talked to said anything about this is what to do if you go off testosterone. I've gone to some dark places, but this was definitely the worst. I could barely get out of bed. It was a lot rougher than I thought it was going to be. The process of detransition is definitely a lot harder than transitioning. I had no support from pretty much anybody. Even the doctors themselves, like my endocrinologist and um, my therapist, gender specialist, my surgeon, have been very unhelpful. My mental state was pretty much at its, its lowest. I often felt very suicidal. I didn't really know if I was going to make it. I receive an, another phone call. I answer it and this person asks me, are you Jaylee's mom and all these questions? And I say, yes. I thought maybe they found my daughter. She asked me, are you driving? You say, yes, I'm in the freeway driving. I'm going back home. When she asked me to park my car, I ask her, no, don't ask me to park my car or get out of the freeway. No. You can't be her. I want to see her. I'm sorry. Due to the circumstances, there's nothing that you can recognize. I'm so, so sorry. I got out of the car and I was throwing up. And I 
I didn't want to believe that. My daughter was gone. Sadly, I don't have my daughter anymore. I'm here so the parents can be aware of what's going on and how these groups work. We have what we call trans radical activists who will come and interrupt us. We don't hate them. We have sympathy for them. And we look upon them as maybe our own kids, even though we don't like the fact that they disrupt us and that they're cruel. As Abigail Martinez stood up there talking about the suicide of her daughter, you could hear one of them saying, cry more. But I was a point that I just broke down and I cried. I was able to understand that these people are confused, these people are in pain, and they don't want anyone to know the truth. Trans rights are human rights! Trans rights are human rights! Trans rights are human rights! Because like my daughter and any other kid going through this transition, they did it too. And that proves that they are not happy, but need to put that face that they are happy, they are good, their life is different. But inside, I could tell that it's not the truth. I knew I'd been living a lie, and I could not bear to live a lie identifying as a woman when I wasn't. And then I realized that nobody's, anybody who's gone through this, it's the same thing. They never change their gender. We're just masquerading. Every story that comes out about a detransitioner is hope for the next person who's struggling. Every one of them is a powerful story, important story that needs to be told. And every one of them is gonna help another person find his way back. That's the hope. I've realized that as long as you're physically healthy, there really is nothing wrong with your body. There's nothing that you have to change about yourself. And making a difference in your community is so much more important. I started connecting with women over a common experience that we had. And so I kind of had something to look up to. I had, I had some hope and that things would get better from here the same boat that I was and so they were learning to appreciate like their own experience of being female and femininity and things like that. Right. Seeing that kind of helped to guide me a little bit to doing the same for myself. It took me about a year to fully deprogram from gender identity ideology. It was very difficult. I feel like it was the act of deprogramming just changing my beliefs that allowed me to recover from my depression. And it's been very healing. Having that family connection again, we can just like be together and love each other.
but I do hope to speak to legislators more to realize that this is not the rainbows and sunshines that I was promised, that other detransitioners were promised. So I am very hopeful that we are changing the minds of others and that eventually that we will be able to protect lots of uh, young children and young adults from being hurt. I think people just thought it was nice. They didn't realize just how harmful this was. This is gonna be a dark time in our history, but I don't think this is gonna last. And I think more and more people are gonna step up. In fact, I only started talking about this publicly about a year ago, and there are so many more people out there speaking about it publicly. So many more detransitioners out there aren't afraid to tell their story, and they're all finding each other. This is gonna turn around. I see hope in the future. We educate as much as we can. Part of our advocacy is to create a dialogue in reaching out to doctors who may be curious about the truth that, that's happening with gender. Hey, could you, did they send you a, a written consent form? It's really interesting that they're willing to meet with us and we call them listening sessions. They will sit and listen to stories of parents talking about their children and detransitioners. Hopefully we can start persuading them that gender affirmation model shouldn't be the one size fits all. I'm so proud of Erin Friday and all these people who are trying to stop this. So my hope is to talk and to tell, you know, the stories, they be aware and more parents being aware. I know that uh, nothing that I do is gonna return my dad, but at least my hope is to save other families, to go through what uh, we went through. <laughs>